All right. So hi, I'm, I'm Jamie Stegmeyer from Stillmeyer Games, and I am not the designer of Tapestry's Fantasies and Futures, the latest expansion for Tapestry. But fortunately for me, I have both of the co-designers here today to discuss our favorite mechanisms from the game. So Chris and Mike, maybe in that order, uh, maybe introduce yourselves and, and let people know who you are. Hi, I'm Chris Scafidi, and I've been designing professionally since 2020. And I'm an absolutely enormous fan of Stonemeyer, and I share a huge chunk of Jamie's design philosophy in terms of keeping the game moving and focus on uh, indirect positive interactions and, and things of that nature. So I am really excited to be part of the project. Uh, and I'm Mike Young. I'm also a huge fan of Jamie's and of uh, Stonemeyer games um, and also try to share their design philosophies. Um, I uh, submitted some fan ideas to the Tapestry uh, Board Game Geek forums, and those were made into the second expansion. So I was really pleased when Jamie uh, said, let's work on the third expansion as well. Yeah, it was such a pleasure working with Mike on that first expansion, or the second expansion that, uh, that I, I wanted to have him involved if he was willing to, and fortunately he was on this third expansion. And Chris had submitted a completely different game to us that kind of scratched the same itches tapestry, but with more speculative themes. And so I thought that he might be a good fit too. And now we're talking about the final result. This is this is the final expansion that is ready. It's at, uh, if you're watching this, it means that it's essentially ready to be shipped on March 1st. Maybe you're watching this in the future too. We'll talk about futures and alternate futures and alternate paths through, these, uh, through this discussion today. So we're gonna go through the four core components of this expansion and each share a little story, maybe our, our favorite our mechanism, our favorite pick for each of those categories. And I'll jump around and I'll, I'll cue who's gonna talk first just to make it easy for everybody. So let's start with um, favorite civilizations. Um, and, and Mike, why don't you lead us off with your favorite civilization in the game or mechanism on your favorite civilization? My favorite civilization is psionics. Um, and the psionics are great because there's some concern always uh, about not getting quite the tapestry card or tech card or die roll that you want. The psionics let you do it twice and then choose the one you want. So if you draw a random tapestry card, you draw two, choose one. If you uh, draw a random tech card, you, you draw two, choose one. Um, if, you get, if you would get two uh, um, territory tiles, you'd only get three. You're not going to double the amount you get. You just get one extra. Uh, thank you, Jamie. Um, so yeah, so... Uh, the psionics allow you a little bit of uh, randomization and uh, luck control. Chris, what about you? So I got to say the Wee Folk, you know, I, pretty much all the games that I design involve Wee Folk or other fantasy characters. Thematically, thank you. Thematically, I think Wee Folk of all the varieties, gnomes and goblins and sort of uh, epitomize, they, they, sort of make to the full extreme some of the best and worst impulses of humanity. And so the Wee Folk civilization here kind of does that. Um, the Wee Folk live among humanity. And so you give your cube, you, you actually give your tokens cubes to other players and they put them into their cities and it helps them to complete their cities. And so they can get more resources and points. But they're actually, the Wee Folk are actually doing it for themselves. Because at the end of the game, they're going to get these bonuses based on where you put their your tokens. And if you put them in really good spots for you, they're going to get a lot of bonuses. 
Um, the other thing that the we folk get to do is because they're going to go and inhabit other people's places, they don't need to explore so much on their own. So each income turn, uh, beginning with the second, you can cash out one of your expo exploration tiles in exchange for an income building, which, if you do it right, can be insanely powerful. But on the other hand, you know, because so much of your fate is in the hands of your opponent, if you don't do this well, you're going to get a really crummy score. So it's a huge swing, kind of like the best and the worst in humanity. And so we're going to go from from we people to sky people with the celestials, which is my pick. Um, I love the thematic integration of this civilization. So the idea with the celestials is that they have essentially a moving capital city represented by the, the tokens on the, the board itself, not the actual capital city map. Um, although there is something that ties to it. So they have this uh, this capital city that moves around at the beginning of, of three of the income turns. And when you, that movement happens, you can roll both of the conquer dice. It's not a conquer action, but you can roll those conquer dice, get those benefits. And I love that. So I don't usually like punishing aspects in games, but I like this little thematic touch that works so well. Um, it says at the start of income turn five, you lose two points for every landmark that hangs off the edge of your capital city, which just works perfectly for a floating city in the sky. However, you gain five points per landmark that does not hang off the side. So if you're able to cram everything in without hanging it off the side, you get extra points for the Celestials. I love that concept. Um, before we move on, any other thoughts about uh, civilizations that you wanted to mention? Um, about the Celestials, they grew yeah. out of a concept called the Aeronauts. And my um, blog, I just today I posted some pictures of that prototype and a few notes about how the civilization evolved. And I'll continue to post about other civilizations over the next week or two. Awesome. I'll include a link can, to that below. Yeah, Mike. And I also cool out, uh, call out a cool mechanic I like in the Elder Ones and the Merfolk. Yeah. And that is that both the Elder Ones and the Merfolk allow you to do things after your fifth income turn. For both of those civilizations, your game doesn't end at the end of your fifth income turn. You get to keep going. I, I think that's a kind of neat thing. I like yeah, that the too. Merfolk have a secret subterranean civilization also that sort of gets revealed after all the other civilizations are dead. You can still be playing cards. Yeah. And we're actually going to talk a little bit more about that fifth income turn in a second with our favorite tapestry cards. Um, Chris, why don't you lead us off with, and we might do a couple picks here because there's there's 38 new tapestry cards in the game. There's a lot of really cool cards. I had a, I picked eight favorites. I could not pick one. And so, um, Chris, why don't you share one of your favorites, and maybe we'll come back to you for another one in a second. Okay. So the core thematic concept here is that there's a lot of magic in science fiction and fantasy. And that magic in, in the tapestry world comes from the influence of parallel universe, universes that are different from ours. And so stuff happens like, oh, people invent the nail and then they, they invent the nail after nuclear weapons or something like that. Like in, the, in that universe, it makes sense. And so when it influences your own, if you can take advantage of really cool um, technologies or, or magic from outside our universe, you're gonna accelerate into this absolutely amazing future that wouldn't otherwise exist in our universe. So that makes income turn five really super interesting with this expansion. And I'll just mention one of the cards, um, Secret Societies. It turns out that the Secret Societies here on Earth have a whole extra set of buildings that you set aside from your income mat and put them aside and you don't place them in your city until income turn five when they're revealed. 
All that while though, you're collecting income. Yeah, thank you. All that while, you know, you're boosting the rate at which you're getting income in terms of workers and stuff. Uh, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of the cards that we now have that allow setting stuff aside and then using it on income turn five because it can result in this uh, extra bonuses along the way and a really big, exciting ending. I'll piggyback off of that and mention one of mine, which is the suspended animation card, which I think in, in real life, I think will be a huge technological advance if we ever get there. So it says when played, place one player token at the right edge of your income mat as a reminder, as many of these cards do. And then on income turn five, you can advance on any one track. You gain the benefit, you may gain the, the bonus for free. So a fairly standard benefit we see in, in this game, um, but I, I just think it's tied perfectly to the theme that you delay this powerful benefit until you wake up out of uh, suspended animation at the end of the game. What about you, Mike? What's one of your favorite uh, tapestry cards? So, so uh, one other mechanic that we have that I really like, uh, I'm, I'm using Citadel of Power as an example, but you can see this on all of them, is that we have these links here. Um, and so now it kind of matters where, wh which slot you play your tapestry card in, because if you have tapestry cards on the, the link to it, you get an additional bonus. I like the really grandiose tapestry cards, the ones that, that sort, of, sort of almost seem... Um, over the top, and I like Citadel of Power, <laughs> where you can take a landmark from the tech deck and put it in your capital city as a Citadel of Power, and then it also is the it also is the final uh, it completes the trio in that we we now have a uh, we now have a, a tapestry card that gives you a, a landmark. We have a tapestry card that grabs a landmark from the track, and now we have one that grabs from the tech deck. I'll piggyback on that one as well and mention the Wizards Guild, uh, which I just, I, I want to be in a Wizards Guild if that's ever a thing. Um, and this one has uh, somewhat related power. So it has two charms on either side. It says, when played, gain three points per tapestry card charm currently visible on your income map. Um, so even if this is the only card on there that has charms, you're getting a few victory points just from this one card. What, do you, what about you, Chris? Do you, have any, do you have any other cards that you want to mention? Yeah, so I'm going to mention this guy, the Gremlins. The gremlins, yeah. The gremlins also have two charms, so they can link to the tapestries on either side. And, you know, when you, so normally when you play it, you collect a charm either from the left or the right, depending on the detail. I'm not going to go into the details of how all the charms work, um, but this is a response card. So we have a whole bunch of response cards, both from the base and also the uh, first expansion had some really interesting response cards. This guy, when you play it as a response card, not only does it stop the invasion of your property, but you get to choose which reward you would like. You get to choose one of those two charms as your reward. Uh, and in addition, you can just play it as a tapestry card on your income map. So um, pretty much actually all of the response cards in this expansion give you a choice between what reward you want, which none of the previous response cards gave you. So you have a little bit more control that way. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, my, my other one was also a response card that does the exact same thing. But again, I like the grandiose nature of when someone attacks you, you can say, release the Kraken and, <laughs> and play this card and, and get something cool and topple their outpost. I'm disappointed how many times I heard that during playtesting. <laughs> <laughs> it led to a number of losses. <laughs> 
there are also a few cards, we've alluded to this a little bit, but this expansion is completely compatible with Tapestry by itself or any combination of the expansions. And I thought Mike and Chris did a great job of allowing for players to not need to separate cards out from the deck. This is the Muses. Um, you can see the, like the charm over here gives you the option. If you happen to be playing, playing with uh, arts, arts and architecture, you can gain that benefit or you can just gain five points. And similarly with the ability for them, there's the inclusion of the arts track, but you can also look at the other tracks if you want to. I thought that was really nicely integrated into the game, given that this is the third expansion in particular. Um, yeah, I have so many more that I could I can mention. I'll just throw some up on the screen. I love Deja Vu because I love cats. I think uh, Cloud Colonies is cool because it looks at the art on the terrain or territory tiles, which we haven't done before. Uh, Quest Culture just thematically is really well done, as is Great Library of Potions. You guys have any others that you want to mention before we move on to tech cards? Oh, there really are a, a lot of them. Yeah. And I, I'm going to just have to, I'll talk about them on my yeah. blog. There's just too many of them. There's, yeah, 38. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the 12 tech cards in the game, the new tech cards. Um, Mike, why don't you lead us off with, with one of your favorite uh, tech cards? And I'll try to hold it up. Well, I, I liked all the tech cards so much that I, I couldn't choose a favorite. Um, yeah. There are some cool mechanics, and I can talk about that I, yeah. uh, if you like. Um, so uh, we have a new requirement on our tech cards. Like um, There are some that will require either you have a charmed tapestry card on your mat, not your neighbor's mats, but your mat, or you play it during your fifth income phase. You can upgrade it during your fifth yeah. income phase. And I, I do like that mechanic a lot because it's, it's a new way of figuring out what uh, – it's a new way of, of – limiting the the, the uh, things or pushing. It's a way of pushing the charm bonuses um, and making them even more valuable. Um, yeah. Yeah, so First thematically, these super powerful technologies, like my favorite here, object cloning, uh, these are super powerful technologies. And, you know, thematically, you wouldn't get access to these insanely powerful technologies in our universe, the one we actually inhabit. Unless if you happen to come in contact with the charm of a parallel reality, somehow bringing some magical physics into our reality. So yeah, if you can get a charm out on your player map ahead of time, then yeah, you get to use these technologies sooner. Uh, the other thing I'll just briefly mention about object cloning. So you get a choice in your square upgrade. You can advance on the arts track with benefit or the tech track with benefit. So. Uh, there are several cards like this. You have a choice. You don't have to be playing with arts and architecture. You could if you like. These really powerful guys, though, when you use them, you're going to flip it over. It's still going to count towards your tech cards, but you can only use it once. So those of you who are thinking in your head, oh, yeah, at the end of the tech track, I'm just going to spam that over and over and over again. No, you still have to think carefully. When are you going to do that upgrade? Because you can yeah. only do it once. Make it count. And this, this also uh, influences uh, the sieves that might use other people's tech cards. You, yeah. They can't use this person's tech card because it gets flipped over before they get a chance. Yeah, one of my top picks is also an example of that teleportation. Uh, you can, the, the top benefit is that you can advance on the exploration track or the technology track and gain the benefit, but uh, it is a single use card. Yeah, that's a clever design touch to close those loopholes of those tapestry players. And we know they're out there who are able to get 400, 500 points by 
by finding a certain loophole. And they're great loopholes. It's great when you find them, but I think it's important that we close some of them in this case. To prevent yeah, or at least try to keep it balanced for the other people. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the last type of component here is something that Mike actually created for the arts and architecture expansion that we love so much and works thematically so well that we decided to bring it over into this last expansion. It works, again, whether or not you have arts and architecture, um, thanks to uh, the comprehensive rulebook that we've included in this expansion. There are six new advanced capital cities. So whenever you begin a game in Tapestry, you'll get one normal capital city and you'll get one advanced capital city and you'll choose between them. Um, and so Mike, since this was originally your brainchild, uh, why, why don't you pick your favorite capital city to share with us today? Absolutely, although I, I will say that while I did come up with the capital cities for um, arts and architecture, Chris did come up with the majority of capital cities for this expansion. And I'm really, really impressed and pleased by them. And one of them is yeah. Netherworld. And the thing that I like about this, and there's a, a, another uh, capital city that's also like this that involves unicorns, and that is the, the concept of a district and filling a district on your map has changed. For Netherworld, it's, it's not about filling a district. Filling a district is connecting this via buildings to these imps. And you have to, to make a line of those. And then you, get the, um, then you get the resources for completing your district, not for like filling in a, a three by three square or whatever your square happens to be. You still score them all using rows and columns, but there are a number in which completing uh, districts is entirely different. And I really like the way uh, Chris designed these to play around with that. Thanks. Yeah, I've really enjoyed working with you too. Uh, Jamie will talk about the one that Mike came up with, which is really clever. I'll just briefly mention Polar is pretty similar to Netherworld in terms of you're trying to connect, yeah, you're trying to connect a route. And not all, in the case of Polar, not all routes give you an equal number of resources. So you got to be strategic about that. Because you still need to be covering your space in order to score your rows and columns, though. So it's a different experience. The one I want to highlight is Vale. Mm -hmm. So we changed the concept of a district and reward in Vale also. So in Vale, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got a nice border there between the quote unquote real world. And then on the other side of the veil is basically the Fey realm. It's the, it's the realm of magic or whatever universe is over there. Probably a scary place, first time you go over. But over there, you've got not normal rectangular districts. You've got these weird shaped things and they give you something other than a resource. So one of them gives you a tech card. One of them gives you an income building of your choice. And one of them lets you roll the science die for benefit. So in that case, there's eight total districts on that guy. The Netherworld has four total districts, but they reward doubly. And Polar, I actually don't remember how many. So uh, the district concept is very malleable and we enjoy playing with it and coming up with some thematically appropriate districts. And the, the one that Chris avoided saying because it's one of my favorites is City in a Bottle, which is the tiniest capital city that we have. It's a much smaller grid than normal. The districts are smaller. They're two by three instead of three by three. And it's so small in this little bottle that you can't put landmarks inside of the city. Instead, you set them aside and you'll get six victory points per landmark. Um, so you'll be placing tiny buildings in your tiny city, tiny city, which makes perfect sense. 
And I loved, uh, I think all, we've all talked about how much we love the art from Andrew Bosley. I think Andrew did a wonderful job with this one, uh, or with all of them really, but this was my pick for the cover because I loved it so much. Um, yeah, do you guys have a favorite illustration of the game? Uh, I know that's off the cuff. I didn't prompt you with that, uh, that question before, but any that really jump out to you? So I'm a huge fan of his heavy use of purple in many of mm. his illustrations. For instance, on the Fae Folk and the Wee Folk, um, different cultures assign different meanings, different groups of people assign different meanings to colors and purple is kind of a magical color. So I think it was yeah. like exactly on point and I'm a huge fan of Andrew's artwork. Um, as far as my hopes to ever become a digital painter of any sort in the future, Andrew is one of my go-tos for inspiration. So, um... Agreed. I, the only, I, I love all of his, a couple that, um, uh, uh, all of Andrew's art, um, a couple that, that uh, uh, especially uh, are memorable, uh, speak to my experience. And there is one Ghost Ships, which is a tapestry card, if you can yeah. find it. Um, I asked Andrew, uh, I had uh, many, many, many years ago published a live action role playing game called The Final Voyage of the Mary Celeste. And I asked Andrew if he could possibly make the card reminiscent of the cover of that game. Uh, it was written by a guy named Jim McDougall. And he did, but even if he, even, even though it stands alone is just a very striking, uh, haunting image. And the other one is a very, uh, the other one's kind of personal and that is uh, from, and it isn't from this expansion, but in okay. the second expansion, he created uh, art for Information Age, and Jamie was nice enough, and he was nice enough. They they added our dogs to it, mm -hmm. so our dogs are in the art for Information Age, and that is always going to be my favorite illustration because of that. I'm always happy when the artists are comfortable doing that because I usually try to slip my cats in there if they're willing to do it. Um, yeah, and Andrew's very flexible with that. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been a true pleasure. We don't we talk a lot over email, but not a lot in person. And so it's great to talk to you and hear some of your stories and favorite picks from this expansion. Is there anything else that you want people to know before we sign off this video? Um, I'll be posting some tips for how to play the civilizations and cities because awesome. some of them are a little tricky. And uh -huh. so I play probably as much as anybody and I'll just share what I figured out. You've probably played more than anybody. I've played, <laughs> I'm, I might be second place, but you have probably played more than anyone else. Well, I learned um, a lot from you about how to play well. So it's been a pleasure working with you, Mike, both from the standpoint of the project as well as becoming a better player. It, it is true that during the first few games, I would win all the time. And then Chris, Chris learned and surpassed and now tends to win in all of the games. But indeed, it was it was great working with you, Chris. And I'm really, really pleased with the expansion. I'm really happy working uh, with Chris on this. Likewise. Well, thank you guys. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for putting so much time and talent and love into this expansion. I'm so excited for people to have it. And uh, if anyone has any questions about anything that we showed today or anything that you want to see, let me know in the comments of this video and I'm happy to talk about it there. All right, I think that's it. Um, thank you guys. Don't actually leave right now when I start this video, but, uh, but I'll end the recording now and uh, I'll see everyone else in the comments. Thank Take you. care. Thanks. Bye. Let's see if I actually can stop the. Um, hmm. <laughs> I'll trim this out at this point. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, there we go. Stop.